Jamie Summers from Afternoons with Heart and Humor. Something you may not know about me is I'm really conscious of what I put in my body. So I eat healthy, try to stay as active as possible. That's also why I was so excited when I heard that Dr. Kellum at the Kellum Stem Cell Institute is able to retrieve my own stem cells and place them exactly where I need them most with focused infusions. If you're ready for something more effective and a healthier way to heal, get more information at KellumStemCellInstitute.com. Nashville's 94FM The Fish. I'm Doug, spending some time with Tony Bancroft, the voice director for the animated film Red Shoes and the Seven Dwarfs. Your true self is the fairest of them all. Tony has quite the backstory in animation, having worked for 12 years with Disney. He actually helped create an animate Pumbaa, the warthog from The Lion King. He was involved in The Emperor's New Groove, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, other films including Mulan and Stuart Little 2, currently working on Space Jam 2. Excited to hear what Tony has to share about this film, Red Shoes and the Seven Dwarfs. Tony, I had a chance to uh, sneak the movie, and uh, I loved it, thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, good. Interesting and a great take on stuff and Princess Leia reference. I mean, I was cracking yeah. up all over the place, so... <laughs> For those that haven't had the privilege of uh, of seeing it yet, but definitely are going to, uh, give us a little backstory uh, on this movie. Well, I, you know, it, it started out years and years ago. It's an independent film produced in Seoul, Korea. I got to know it because I have a good friend that used to work at Disney as a character design artist and went back home to East Korea and he went back to home to Seoul and and started working on this movie. So Locus Animation is a small studio that developed the film and they just had a wonderful new take on this fairy tale world. It's not the traditional, you know, uh, Hans Christian Andersen world that we're used to and very serious and has a lot of weight to it. Although there is wonderful tones to it of a great theme that you learn, and we'll get to that in a minute. But the funniness, the comedy, the kind of turning it up on its head uh, element to the storytelling was what really got me. And I said, oh, I got to be a part of this any way I can. Well, it's great to see um, what they do with the Seven Dwarves and sort of the modern, you know, Avengers-type take that's taken there. And then as, as you talk about this whole underlying theme of really, it's taking a classic thing, but it made it so modern. It feels like it's relatable cross-generational. I'm cracking up all over the place, and yet I know the kids are intrigued. And then this underlying message of body positive, of, of can't judge a book by its cover, that just, I thought, took it to the next level. Yeah, and that's the thing that that really got me. I'm I, I'm a father of three daughters, and when they were young, this is the kind of movie that I would have wanted to sit down as a family and watch, and then have a conversation about it, because the theme is so powerful in it, and very emotional, emotionally tied to the story. But it's all about Snow White uh, being really kind of a normal looking girl, and then when she puts on these magic slippers, she turns into this kind of, I guess you could say, the Disney personification of a princess, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and it's all about her trying to realize it's not about who I am on the outside, it's who I am on the inside that really matters, and that's what I'm attracted to in Merlin. And then Merlin has his own journey of trying to figure out who he is on the inside and strengthening that element of himself before Snow White falls in love with him. So there's there's this great, um, very modern, very necessary theme and story going on, um, and lesson learned, but it's all wrapped up in a very funny, comic, fun adventure, too. Yeah, I mean, again, 
I can't say enough positive things about it, and I'd be curious to find out what it was like for you with such a, a storied background, 12 years in Disney and Mulan and Stuart Little and Beauty and the Beast, all these things that you've been involved with. And then from some of the, the videos that I watched about um, some of the backstory of the company, it's like, well, here's this little Korean thing, this little company doing this stuff. Um, it, was, it was uber impressive to understand that it was coming from this small studio in another country. What was that like to work with that dynamic and all? Well, I love, I, you know, I, I left Disney a long, uh, quite a while ago, like in 2000. So I did a lot of stuff with Disney, like you said, Mulan and Lion King and all those things. And been, been largely been in the animation industry for 30 years as an independent director and producer now. Um, so I, my heart is really for the small independents out there. I love, you know, the kinds of different kinds of stories like Red Shoes uh, uh, that can happen at an independent studio that really just doesn't happen at a bigger studio. So when I saw what they were doing, my first thought was, oh, man, I wish I would have made this film. And then my second thought is, how can I be a part of it in any way possible? But, you know, they had already developed a lot of stuff, and the, and the, the movie was moving forward for sure. So I said, well, if you need anything, let me know. And they said, well, we, we could use, you know, a voice director that knows how to work with, um, you know, actors, A-list Hollywood actors. I said, absolutely, I'm, I'm willing to be there for this because I just believed in the message of it. I believed in what it was all about. And then the quality on top of it was so impressive. Um, I just had to support it. Well, talk about that in terms of working uh, with the voice actors and all. Was that, uh, was that a challenge? Is, is that kind of a sweet spot for you in directing them? I, I enjoy that. You know, the, the voice uh, casting and recording happens pretty early in the production process of an animated film. So I'm on pretty early, um, but working with the director and the scriptwriter and the casting director to really find the right actors to portray these parts, we were so fortunate that everybody that we were looking for, you know, you kind of make a wish list in the beginning of, you know, I'd really love to have this actor, or that actor to play this part. And we got almost 100% of everybody that we were looking for signed up. You know, thankfully, actors really enjoy doing animation for the most part. Is everybody in the same room or group of characters in the same scene to interact with each other? Or are people just phoning in the solo lines? Or uh, You know, we did it all in person, but it was, yeah, everybody was separate. So we had no two actors that were recorded together. They were all separately booked because of their own schedules, too. Um, and, you know, so and that's what happens in animation. It's kind of catches catch can. You know, these these are big Hollywood stars. They're doing. They're usually tied into live action movies, and they're doing this on the side. Literally, literally, Sam Claflin, who plays Merlin, we grabbed him on a weekend when he was filming in Fiji Islands. Uh, right off the Fiji Islands, he, he was doing a live action movie, so we came to him and recorded him over a weekend. Chloe Grace Moritz is more local; she could come into California and meet me at a studio, and we recorded her over some time. And Gina was in New York, so we flew out to New York for her. Yeah, it was. It's always like, you know, we kind of go where they are to make it easy as possible. Not to give anything away, but what would be your hope for people that would take away a, a takeaway from the audience? I mean, as you said, uh, this would have been definitely a film that you wanted to see when your kiddos were a little younger. Yeah, I can't say enough about uh, the message of this film being about po uh, body positivity and about really being in the right headspace, which, I, you know, I think we all see this these days that the media is really hard particularly on females and, and what, um, what the world says beauty is, is not really what beauty is um, in the real world. 
And yet, um, it's something that gets into uh, the mind and the thinking of everybody. We're all kind of attuned to what we think beauty is. This movie turns it on its ear in a comical way and says it's always about who you are on the inside and not what you look like on the outside. And I just love that. I totally agree with you. In fact, the line after the title on the DVD packaging kind of says it all. Red Shoes and the Seven Dwarfs, your true self is the fairest of them all. And I guess the other part that I find fascinating, too, is so, as you mentioned, um, Snow White, Red Shoes, has this transformation with the shoes. The seven dwarfs, being under a curse, are smaller and more green, but that's not their true selves. They do this transformation only when someone else is watching. I thought that was a fascinating aspect so that you got a real understanding of who they were at their core, but only when someone was watching. Otherwise, they were their normal self. I thought that was a, an interesting spin. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it made it complex, I will say, for the actors, too, because that's where I had to kind of tell them, okay, now in this scene, you start out as a dwarf, Sam, but then somebody comes in the room, and they'll see you as uh, your human self. You're going to change. So, you know, part of the sign that you're delivering is because you know that you're a dwarf, and then part of it is, oh, you're surprised because now you're tall again. And, you know, so uh, they, didn't, they didn't know exactly when those kind of key moments were happening and those metamorphoses and those changes that happen visually after it's animated. They, had, they didn't know that ahead of time. It kind of had to be explained that um, on a scene by scene basis sometimes. Wow, so there's some good behind the scenes stuff. You you do you do not know that. I mean, everything obviously is done flawlessly and seamlessly. That uh, amazing kudos to everyone there. You obviously have a heart for animation. Um, Thirty plus years of experience. You have a podcast with your brother, and you're teaching, and you're you're get. What would you think is one of the things that would surprise us just on the outside about what it is that you do in these animated films? Well, I, you know, I, the thing that comes so easy in live action movies, uh, and, and, and it's kind of one of those little magic moments where the camera's just on and some kind of inspiration happens with an actor. And we have to manufacture that in animation. We're, we're creating images and performances, 24 frames a second, you know, in, in a film second and, um, and creating new images every 24, uh, frames in one second. So everything is manufactured beforehand. We're always working and creating exactly what's going to be said and done, you know, months and months before it's ever animated and certainly before it's in color. So uh, it's the opposite of what live action um, directors deal with. Um, But it's also what I love about it. We create the magic kind of frame by frame, whereas, uh, you know, a live action director, you know, has to rely on inspiration sometimes. Yeah, as you're saying that, I guess I'm th- I'm thinking about what it must have been like to work with uh, Robin Williams as the genie, someone who's known for just going off the rails. And it's like, well, wait a minute, because I mean, if someone co- if someone like a Robin or whatever, you come up with something that's another line or, or 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 some kind of difference, can that be worked in? Is the animation drawn at that point? Can they ad lib, if you will? Or there's always changes that have to be made, but that's where you you know a good director is always balancing. Okay, well. What what this actor just said is genius. It's funny. We got to work that in. So it just means okay. There's going to be some late nights by some storyboard artists or some animators, but it was worth it because you know it's better than what was in the script. So we do look for opportunities for you know little 
uh, improv moments and things like that wherever we can. But mostly the actors are pretty strict to the script, you know, um, and it's really kind of got to got to ask for that from actors that you know might give you that. Like Jim Rash, of course, is good with improv. Patrick Warburton. So a lot of the comedy guys were mm-hmm. the ones that would, you know, kind of throw in some one-liners here and there. But in terms of the animation, is the animation to a point where they've pretty much drawn what you're supposed to say? Uh, no, we record the voices before the animation starts. So okay. what we have is storyboards. Storyboards are drawn uh, at that point, um, and then we put the voices to those to make sure that the cutting is happening, all the scenes are worked out beforehand, the camera moves, everything, before we start animating. Gotcha, gotcha. Red Shoes and the Seven Dwarfs, your true self is the fairest of them all on digital download, Blu-ray, and DVD. Tony, thank you for your time. Thank you for supporting this film. I really, I really love what it's about.